the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. My friends, when I'm away, I know this show is in really good hands. I get so much great feedback about Bob France, the great Cleveland broadcaster. So sit back, relax, and enjoy an important thinker, Bob France. Wow. That is high praise indeed, coming from the great Dennis Prager. I am honored to sit in for Dennis once again. And uh, so glad that you can be with us. I am live in the relieffactor.com studios of AM 1420, The Answer. You know where that is because Dennis just told you I'm a Cleveland broadcaster, and that is correct. Um, Honored. Uh, I always love the opportunity, especially now that we are just 13 days away from deciding whether we save. No, that's not accurate. It's too late to save America. Can we recover it? Can we restore it? That's what we're going to be trying to do. Saving is when something is on the precipice and life and death is, a, is, the, is the choice. Can I stop it from dying? I feel like it's already been killed over the last 21 months by full control Democrat rule. It's already gone. The question is, is can we resurrect it? Can we restore it? On November 8th, 13 days from now. Or are we going to lose it forever? And those, my friends, are not exaggerations. Those are not hyperbolic statements. Those are not melodramatic for the purpose of of firing people up and feeding red meat to the base. It's really not. It is every bit as serious as that. Two weeks from yesterday, we will decide whether we resurrect the country and restore it to its foundational principles as a constitutional republic with freedom and justice for all, or whether we surrender every single bit of that to radical extremists whose intention is to destroy America and rebuild it into something that they desire. A Marxist, socialist-slash-Marxist uh, nation of oppression in which big government rules all and you lose all of your liberties. That's the reality of the situation, my friends. How about that for a start to a broadcast? How about that? We're all going to die. No, legitimately, we have a chance to restore our country, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about for the majority of this program. We do have one guest coming up at the top of the next hour, because I want to I spend a little bit of time in each of the states where the most important Senate and gubernatorial races are being held. 
the battleground state. One of them is here in Ohio. We've got a we've got a massively important Senate race as Rob Portman has decided to to hang it up. Uh, and of course, it's now a battle between J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan. That's a huge race. It's a tight race. Last night we saw the Fetterman Oz fiasco in Pennsylvania. That is massively important. Last time I sat in for Dennis, I talked to a lot of folks from Pennsylvania about that race. I hope to talk to more of them today. I mentioned we have a guest coming up at uh, the top of the second hour, and that's going to be Patrick Wood, who is um, uh, the uh, founder and the executive director of Citizens for Free Speech based in Tucson, Arizona. We're going to talk to him about Blake Masters and Mark Kelly, and of course about Carrie Lake and the cowardly Katie Hobbs out there, what that means. Talk about some First First Amendment issues there as well. Uh, they battled last night in New York as well. Lee Zeldin and uh, Kathy Hochul uh, for the governor's race there. Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon in Michigan also held a debate. So all of this stuff is extremely important to talk about as we decide whether we're going to lose the republic or whether we're going to restore it. Now I'm gonna, I don't normally start with audio clips in the first segment of a broadcast. I like to do what's known as a monologue in the business and kind of just lay out all of my thoughts on one thing or another or multiple things. But since I have this audio that says it better than I can say it, uh, and I read that somewhere once, if uh, you know, don't say it yourself. If somebody else already said it better, just just use their stuff. I had Ted Cruz on my local program in Cleveland on Friday, Senator from Texas. Shout out to my friends in Texas, particular particularly a shout out to my friends in Houston, uh, where I also do a little bit of radio. But I had Ted Cruz on on Friday, and I had him on because he was in Ohio, and he was campaigning for and working with J.D. Vance for that Senate seat that I just discussed. And I kind of laid out a little bit of how I feel about the importance of this election in Ohio because of no more nor less important than the other battleground races. Don't get me wrong, but it's where we are, and we were here to talk about J.D. Vance, or he was on to talk about J.D. Vance. And... um, I kind of laid out the whole, you know, we're either going to die or we're going to, uh, as a nation, or we're going to uh, restore this nation on on November 8th. And it's really literally as important as survival of the country. And I asked Ted Cruz to comment on that. And his response was more than I could have imagined. So it's about two minutes long. And I want you to hear it because I think it's going to be a good launching point for your phone calls, which, by the way, you should be making now. Get in line. It's going to be a busy day. 877-243-7776, 877-243-7776, otherwise known as 8 Prager 776 So get in line now from whatever state you're in and talk about your battleground state. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to hearing from, the, from you on those. But I want to let you hear what Ted Cruz had to say. It's not just about the Ohio race. It's about the reality of everything uh, that is... Um, you know, that is in store for us if we are unsuccessful in Ohio and in enough other races to give the Democrats a a majority control in the United States Senate. So please listen to this and give me your reactions to it on the other side. If we don't win this majority back on November 8th, we will not survive. This country will never look the same as it did when it was gifted to us by our founding fathers. Am I overstating that? You you know, you're not, and... and if possible, you may be understating it. And, and let, let, let me give you what the stakes are here in Ohio. If, God forbid, the Democrats won in Ohio, if the Democrats pick up two seats in the Senate, and winning in Ohio would be 50% of picking up two seats in the Senate, that would be enough to end the filibuster. 
Right now, there are 48 Democrats who voted to end the filibuster. If they get two more, they'll have the votes to do it. What will they do if they end the filibuster? The first bill they'll pass is S-1. It's the first bill Chuck Schumer introduced. It is a federal takeover of all elections. It strikes down every common-sense voter integrity law across the country. It strikes down photo, photo ID requirements. It strikes down prohibitions on ballot harvesting. It automatically registers millions of illegal aliens to vote. It mandates that felons be allowed to vote. That bill is designed to ensure that Democrats never lose another election. The second thing they will do is grant amnesty to 12 million or more illegal aliens to have suddenly voters that they believe will vote Democrat forever. The third thing they will do is add two new states to the union, the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, both of which they believe will elect four new Democrat senators. The next thing they will do is pack the U.S. Supreme Court and put four radical left-wing justices on the court forever. All of that, we're two votes away from that happening. Now, let me be clear. I don't believe that's going to happen. But if God forbid it did, I am constitutionally, I am structurally an optimist. I believe in America. But I don't know how America comes back from that. I, 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 I actually believe that would be the destruction of the republic and and so you want to know what the stakes are in, in ohio on offense it's about winning and taking our country back but on defense it's about stopping cultural marxists who are trying to destroy this nation from having the tools to complete the task i've been a ted cruz fan for a long time in fact he was my first choice in 2016 in the uh, massive primary field that included president trump well, then candidate trump you know, Marco Rubio, uh, Jeb Bush, Carly Fiorina, Ben Carson. Remember that? That was a, that was quite a time. I was a massive Ted Cruz fan. So I felt very, very good when I asked Ted Cruz a question, and he not only answered in the affirmative as to the way I feel, he actually expanded upon it. If we lose on November 8th, the country dies. Not an overstatement, not an exaggeration. The country dies for all of the reasons he just listed, or he did on my program on Friday. I had forgotten, I'll be 100% honest, and to my shame, I had forgotten about Senate Bill 1 and, and H.R. 1, the For the People Act that they put forth, which is the federal takeover of all elections, no longer would the states, as the Constitution dictated, as the founders intended, be allowed to set their own election rules? It would be a federal takeover. Gone would be uh, voter ID, any voter ID. Gone would be any restrictions on drop boxes or mail-in balloting. Gone would be anything that is done to ensure that only citizens vote. All of those things would be gone, and as Ted Cruz described, they would do it if they just get 52 senators. 52. That's it. 52. And they can abolish the filibuster and pass every single one of those massive things with a simple majority. I've got more for you right after this. History repeats itself, and we're seeing that play out with inflation. When Jimmy Carter took office in the late 70s, gold sold for $140 an ounce. By 1980, the price of gold topped out at $870 an ounce. If today's market performs like it did when Carter was in office, the price of gold could skyrocket from $1,800 an ounce to $9,300 an ounce. 
This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. Don't miss out on a great opportunity to purchase precious metals while the prices are still stable. If history repeats itself, we'll see a run on gold, silver, and platinum that will certainly drive up prices. Be smart and buy now, as I am. At AmFed, you're dealing with specialists who provide you with personalized attention, honest information, and sound advice. You'll never be pressured into buying outrageously priced so-called collectible coins or anything that you don't need. Take advantage of today's prices. AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Um, about the time this show was coming on, literally 22 minutes ago, at the top of the hour, uh, this came down. Daryl Brooks, the um, Waukesha Christmas Parade murderer, um, was found guilty. First degree intentional homicide in that massacre. You know, I don't want to say it's received no coverage, but this was a Christmas parade murder so we're talking 10 months ago it's you know christmas of 2021 when this angry violent criminal man 40 year old daryl brooks assaulted his girlfriend then climbed into his suv and plowed through that christmas parade of almost exclusively white people there's a reason i brought that up Intentionally, according to the eyewitnesses and the prosecutors, swerving and veering to maximize the number of people he could hit. He didn't plow straight ahead, giving people at least a chance to dive out of the way. He targeted and swerved and hit as many of them as he could. Killed six people, injured about 70 more. Um... He has been convicted of first-degree murder after representing himself and turning this entire thing into a show trial. Uh, it's just been a, it's been a circus. He represented himself. He continually threatened the judge. The media coverage of this has been interesting, to say the least. The media coverage of the Daryl Brooks trial at the outset was almost sympathetic to Daryl Brooks a black man who ran down about 70 white people. The headlines, and maybe you saw those online or maybe you actually saw them on newscasts, the headlines were, uh, Defendant Gives Tearful Opening Statement. Not wild, radical, alleged murderer of six people and injuring with an attempt to murder 70 others, uh, gives ridiculous opening statement, but gives tearful opening statement. It almost looked and sounded like they were attempting to generate some sort of sympathy for him. A little bit of empathy, at the very least. Can't you imagine being in his situation kind of a thing? It's really remarkable. But the reason I call it interesting, the media coverage of this, is prior to the start of the trial, I want to ask you, how many times have you heard the name Daryl Brooks? over the course of the 10 months since Christmas? The answer is not at all. Very few. They haven't covered it. Now, can you imagine if this was a white guy, particularly if it was a white guy who happened to be considered to be a Republican, running down in a black community a massive parade of almost exclusively black people 
Can you can you imagine the kind of coverage that would have received? You didn't even remember the name of Daryl Brooks, did you? I promise you, you don't remember the name of the North Dakota driver who ran down an 18-year-old kid uh, just a month ago and has been charged with murder, who was let set free on a very, very low bond because he didn't want to have his life and his family and his work and his family life altered by his murder trial. But he allegedly ran down the 18-year-old and killed him because he was, quote, a Republican extremist. You don't even know his name, do you? And to underscore my point about how little that has been covered, I don't either. i got to look it up. Every time I bring this up on my radio program, i got to look it up. Why is it that when the targets are the wrong color or the wrong political ideology, the media goes dark? Why do they just go completely silent on these extraordinary cases? And by the way, the fact that Daryl Brooks mowed all of those people down in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Christmas in a car or in an SUV rather than taking uh, what they like to call an assault rifle to the crowd had to be extraordinarily disappointing to the media. No opportunity to blame the weapon and say, we need to get these guns out of Americans' hands to stop these murders and to stop these mass attacks. I haven't heard Joe Biden call for, for a, uh, some sort of restriction on assault SUVs. I haven't heard them talking about registrations where they're going to come and check your garage, and if you've got one of those assault SUVs, it's being confiscated because somebody else might use a similar type vehicle uh, in, a, in a homicidal attack. They haven't done that. Kind of odd, isn't it? Because if it had been a gun, they'd be coming to your house and saying, you've got to surrender your gun. Because somebody else might use a similar type of gun in another place in an attack. That's the sense that it makes. I just see stories like this and they just they just rattle my brain. First of all, nobody's talking about the race of the of the uh, of the attacker and the race of the victims because it's in it goes in the wrong direction. That's number one. And number two, again, they, when they did cover this at the very end at the trial, they tried to actually generate sympathy for the killer. It's really quite an astounding thing, the way our media works. It, it, it really is. So I don't want to dwell on that too much, but I welcome your thoughts on it if you've got any. If you want to dial us up at uh, 877-243-7776 or 8Prager776. I do find it very interesting that if this had been, like I said, a white driver in a black neighborhood with a black crowd of victims, 70 victims. Uh, oh, my goodness. And Trump would be blamed for it, of course. I'm not going to blame anybody for it except for the, uh, the individual here. But you know how the story would read if, it were another direct, if, the, if the races were in another direction. Same thing with the North Dakota story. My name is Bob France, sitting in for Dennis Prager. Good to have you aboard. Uh, I, uh, I, I want to talk elections. I want to talk midterms. We're going to talk about all of those things. So you dial me up, and we'll get you up and on the radio next segment, all we, right here on uh, the Salem Radio Network. The Dennis Prager Show. Most of us know that being online means that everything we do is under constant surveillance, whether it's big tech companies creating detailed profiles of our personal lives or government agencies scanning our emails even when we haven't done anything wrong. Our privacy has never been more at risk. How can we make sure our personal information stays private? The first thing is to switch to a secure email service such as StartMail, which keeps emails safe. Every email can be encrypted or protected with a password, which means no 
one can read, scan, or sell your private information without your consent. When you delete an email, it's gone forever. Another thing I like about StartMail is that you can generate unlimited disposable email addresses so I never have to give out my real email anymore. Switching to StartMail is simple. Your emails and contacts are transferred in a few clicks. Sign up with StartMail today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash Prager. 34 minutes past the hour and welcome back to the Dennis Prager Show. Bob France sitting in for Dennis live in the relieffactor.com studios of AM 1420, The Answer. My show is called Always Right Radio. It airs, well, right before this one from 9 until noon every day in the Eastern Time Zone. And if you ever want to check it out, I'm at W. Uh, hkradio.com, whkradio.com from 9 to noon Eastern. Uh, we do our thing here. That's where the interview I did with Ted Cruz came from that I played for you before. If you'd like to react, uh, by all means, please do so. 877-243-7776, 8-Prager-776. Um, I-, I wish I had nine hours to do today. I have so much information I want to cover, and we're going to hear next segment, uh, Supreme Court Justice Sam Alito. Uh, laying out the facts about what the, how dangerous the Democrat Party is and how dangerous the far-left movement is in this country. Literally life-and-death stuff that uh, Sam Alito was talking about. We'll get into that. For now, though, we're going to go to the phones. We're going to go to Atlanta, Georgia, and talk to Sam. You're on the Dennis Prager Show. Sam, thanks for joining us. Uh, Bob Fran sitting in. Go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Bob, thanks for taking my call. My uh, pleasure. Listen, um... I, I get it. Uh, let, let me let me say that defeating Democrats is important. You know, I get it. They are totally evil. The things that they do, the things they say, it's just unacceptable. I don't know any other clean word to use. It's just un- unacceptable. But okay. I remember, I remember the second time Obama was elected. Um, the late great Rush Limbaugh. I listened to him every day back then, and he he would say, you know, if if we don't defeat Obama. You know, we're going to lose America. We're going to lose what we are. We're going to lose this, that, and the other. And here we are, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, we're still America. We're a little different. We still have problems. And But, you know, America wasn't lost, you know, as, you know, he thought he was, was going to be. Um, well, let, I'm me, just, I'm let, just, me, I'm just, let me respond to that, Sam, by, by, by pointing something out. <clears throat> and you make a great point, by the way. So I'm not trying to uh, disagree with you, except maybe expand that thought a little bit. Rush was right. right. Rush was right. And, and, and what I mean by that is re-electing Obama wasn't necessarily going to lead to the end of America by the end of Obama's term. It was going to be the beginning of the end of America in the long game that they had planned. And that plan was supposed to include four years of, or actually eight years of Hillary Clinton continuing the same uh, platform and continuing with the same policies and continuing with the same destructive uh, uh, um, laws and, uh, and, and spending measures and so forth. And then it was going to continue after that. What we experienced was a hiccup, uh, and that was Donald Trump. Donald Trump came in out of nowhere, which is why I don't care how much you may dislike Donald Trump's personality or anything about him, we will be forever indebted to him for delaying and stopping. Nobody else could have done it. I told you, I was a Ted Cruz fan back in the 2016 um, primaries. Ted Cruz couldn't have beat Hillary in a general election. 
I found out. I, I realized after the fact. Neither could have Rubio or anybody else. Only Trump could have, and thank God he did, because he delayed the destruction of this country by the four years he got. Should have another four to be building back from that now, but here we sit. So what we're doing now in the first 21 months of the Biden administration, uh, Sam, is is continuing what Obama started in his first and in his second terms. And if you look at the place we're in now, this is far worse than we were ever in, even under Obama, even with the passage of Obamacare, even with the extraordinary spending uh, and taxing of, of, uh, of the country by Obama. We were never at 9.5% inflation. Where we are, where we were just a couple of months ago, now sitting at eight and a half. We were never in the position that we are with five million people coming across the southern border in two years, even under Obama. Things are far worse now because what Biden has done, my friend, is continued the Obama agenda. It's not new here. And that's why what Ted Cruz said puts us in the position we're in. If we lose in on November 8th, and they get 52 votes. It's not about one man, like Rush talked about with Obama. It's about 52 Democrat senators. They will abolish the filibuster. And all of the things Cruz laid out that I played in the first segment are going to come to pass. We'll never win another election again because they will pass S-1 and H.R. 1, the For the People Act to reform the entire electoral process, pack the court, Add two states, adding more senators, will never gain control again. This is a part of the end game. Obama was at the very beginning of it all. So I think that's what I think we need to keep in mind. Uh, great call. Great points. I want to talk to you more, and I want to listen to you more. 877, excuse me, 8 Prager 776. We'll be back. The Dennis Prager Show. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. On top of the special available to my listeners on the Percale and Giza Dream bed sheets, marked down as low as $29.98, Mike is now changing the game with his three piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent yet still providing the soft feel you look for in a towel. This set comes with one bath, one hand towel, and one washcloth, typically retailing for $49.99. For a limited time, you can get this three-piece towel set for the low price of $19.98 with the promo code Prager. Don't miss out on these extraordinary offers. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use the promo code Prager. So uh, I want to hit this too uh, before I go back to the phones real quick. If you watched um, any of the debate last night uh, in Pennsylvania between John Fetterman and Dr. Oz, um, Fetterman is in a is in a is just in a completely inappropriate place to be trying to apply for a job, which is what he's doing here. That would take such uh, important ability to communicate cognitively and and orally. He's in such a bad place, and apparently you're not allowed to talk about that, or it's considered bullying him. Sonny Hostin or Hostin or whatever she is on the View decided that if Doctor Oz talks about the prospect that maybe a stroke victim who is clearly still suffering brain damage maybe isn't qualified to serve because of his incapacity 
that that's bullying apparently listen to this nonsense don't be fooled by that it's really strange it was really strange to me that he chose to bully a stroke victim yeah exactly. right like he obviously was bullying him and um Ooh. you know i don't think the people of pennsylvania or the people in general um liked that because okay well can we can we point something out here First of all, before his stroke, John Fetterman was and is an awful human being. Before his stroke, John Fetterman spent his time advocating for the release of violent murderers all the time, voting to parole them, talking about hideous, horrific, violent crime. He wants them set free. He has said on multiple occasions that that he wants to reduce the prison population in Pennsylvania by a third. And not low-level nonviolent criminals, but violent ones, the ones that are indeed in prison for life without the possibility of parole. You saw this a week ago, right, didn't you? He, He was asked, if you had a magic wand, what one thing would you do? Would he cure cancer? No, 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 that wouldn't do it. Would he, um, would he end world wars? Nope, nope. Wouldn't wave a magic wand to end all world wars. Would he cure poverty? Nope, nope, nope. Wouldn't want to feed everybody. If he had a magic wand and could do one thing with it, he said he would release the, the prisoners in Pennsylvania that are serving life without parole. And those people are all what? Spoiler alert, murderers. He would release them all. That's what he said. So he was a terrible guy before his stroke. But now he had the stroke. And it is very clearly impairing his ability to think, to process, to express, to speak. Things that one would think you would have to do in the United States Senate. But if you say that, now you're bullying him? Because you point out that he can't do those things? That he couldn't even engage in the debate last night without having closed captioned screens behind the moderators on big screens that he can read because he can't audibly take information in, process it in his brain, figure out what it means, and then offer a coherent response out of his mouth. He can't do it. If you point that out, that's not bullying. That's acknowledging reality. And you're not even saying it's his fault. He had a stroke. It's terrible. It's sad. But you know something? I mean, I, I use this example in Cleveland because that's where I'm from, but... You can pick your pick. It's a sports metaphor, but if if Nick Chubb, who's the leading rusher in the National Football League, and by all means, every single fan of the Cleveland Browns would vote to put him in the starting lineup, right? <laughs> that makes sense. He's the best running back in the NFL. But if Nick Chubb was in a car accident and broke his leg and couldn't run. Would it be bullying to point out you can't be in our starting lineup anymore? You can't serve in our offense because you're not physically capable of it anymore. At least until that changes. Is that bullying him? Is that beating him up? Is that oppressing him? Is that making fun of him? Is that ableism? No. You're recognizing that he's physically incapable of doing that job now. That's John Fetterman. Recognizing that he's physically incapable of listening to testimony in a committee hearing. Reading and processing and contributing to the writing of legislation and bills. Passing or not passing legislation because he can't understand it. He can't communicate his thoughts on it. It's been evident ever since he he hit the, the, the primary trail. And they could have gotten him out of this. 
They could have pulled him and said, you know what, we really like John Fetterman, but this is his condition. We're going to hopefully, hopefully he'll approve, improve, and maybe in another election cycle he can run again for something, or maybe for the other Senate seat when it's available, or something. Instead, they said, no, let's run with it. And they put this guy on stage. And they put this guy on stage, and he was humiliated. He looked and sounded like Joe Biden. Joe Biden sounds cognitively impaired because of age, and maybe early-onset dementia. His gaffes are legend. And they continue on a daily. John Fetterman does the same thing. His cognitive impairment isn't due to age, it's due to a stroke. But it's there. And you cannot have these people serving in high-profile and extraordinarily important positions that impact millions of Americans, uh, you know, with the most powerful positions in the world. The President of the United States and the 100 Senators are arguably the most powerful positions in the world. To have people with cognitive impairment or brain damage or whatever serve in those positions, it is not cruel and it is not bullying to acknowledge that those conditions exist and to say that someone else should be in those positions. So John Fetterman and his family put him, put them, put him up there, maybe against his own better judgment, but he's, he's power hungry. But they put him up there and he was humiliated on national TV last night. The... Uh, uh, Victor, according to the surveys, 82% said Dr. Oz. 18% of people, presumably all of them deaf, said John Fetterman. We'll be right back. Bob France sitting in live in Cleveland, Ohio. The ReliefFactor.com studios are AM 1420. The answer here. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. Candace, you you are on uh, the Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Candace. Bob sitting in. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. I'm just responding to the guy who called earlier that said that he was listening to Rush and that, you know, Rush had warned that we were going to lose the country. Well, a lot of the people who are a little bit older watch mainly TV and then a little bit of conservative radio. And if you do that, you really don't know a lot that's going on because they only tell you so much over the TV anymore. So I'm going to say this. What he meant by that is everything that's happening is happening death by a thousand cuts. Okay, so it's very covert, and if you're not watching everything, you're not going to know what's going on. So let me tell you, we have we no longer have free speech. We have woke culture, you know, and that's a way around the Constitution. Okay, so no, you, you might go to court if you can afford to go to court all the way to the Supreme Court and get your, you know, your hearing, you know, get your um, free speech. But on the way up there, they've already ruined your reputation through you know woke culture and cancellation. Then we have the ABC agencies of our U.S. government um, who are radicalized, left, and they're, they're now coming after anybody who votes GOP, in my opinion. And then we have the dollar, which is turning into garbage. We have to buy our own bonds back because no other countries want to be on the petrodollar anymore. And, um, you know, we're starting wars, um, you know, because I don't know why. Nobody knows why. It's ridiculous. For, I don't believe the reasons why they tell us either. And then we have the Second Amendment under attack constantly, and they're lying about, you know, the Second Amendment. They lie about, um, you know, you know, gun shows and this and that. Then we have an open border to get a great reset um, to nullify American votes. You know, and they're just letting over, you know, anybody in basically, and most of them are criminals coming from South America being let out of jails. Then we have um, our children under attack literally through. You know, it's grotesque um, sexualization in kindergarten and in grade school. And then now they're trying to lob off parts of their body and say that they're trans. I mean, there's the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. Then they're going after parents. Um, 
who want to protect their kids. Okay, I could go on and on, but I hope he's getting the... Yes, you could. You could. I would let you, too, and and I would add to some of those things. Candace, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a part-time teacher and a homemaker. You're, you're very, very in tune with what's going on. You're very aware. You're very intelligent. You, you articulate these things very, very well. And that is exactly what you, what you said at the beginning of your call is, is the greatest response to the last caller. Rush was right. I tried to say that, but you said it more correctly. It's death by a thousand cuts. It wasn't like, okay, Obama's being reelected, and then boom, a nuke goes off in the middle of the country. It is by a thousand cuts, and you just listed about a dozen or so of those cuts, and there are so many more. What happens on November 8th is the answer to the question, can we stop the bleeding? Can we stop the bleeding from those cuts? If we lose, like I said, particularly in the Senate, if they have a 52-seat majority, um, it's all over. My friends, when I'm away, I know this show is in really good hands. I get so much great feedback about Bob France, the great Cleveland broadcaster. So sit back, relax, and enjoy an important thinker, Bob France. Well, if that is true, that means I owe it to you. You would be the ones providing Dennis with that feedback. That means you've enjoyed what you hear, or you at least appreciate it enough to disagree with it, if that's what the situation may be. So if that's true, if Dennis is getting great feedback from you, thank you very, very much. I mean that from the bottom of my, of my heart. It's, uh, it's always an honor to sit in with uh, with you and with Dennis's team, and uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's really a great uh, experience. Thirteen days away we are, now that we are on the 26th morning of the 10th month. Oh, I beg your pardon, it's now the afternoon. It's morning out west. It's morning where I am, or it's afternoon where I am. But the 26th day, then, of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2022, we're 13 days away. Two weeks from yesterday, we will decide to either uh, rescue this country or allow it to die a very, very slow and painful death, as articulated by our last caller. So we'll talk more with you at uh, 8 Prager 776. That's 877-243-7776 coming up here shortly. But I want to bring in uh, a good friend of mine and uh, a very, very noted author uh, and great thinker in his own right for a lot of reasons. Patrick Wood is a leading and critical expert on sustainable development, green economy, Agenda 21, the 2030 Agenda, and historic technocracy. He's the author of three books on technocracy. He's also... The uh, founder and executive director of Citizens for Free Speech, a 501c3 nonprofit uh, for which I serve as the national communications director. And uh, Patrick is based in Tucson, Arizona, where there are a couple of crucial elections in this uh, midterm season that he's going to brief us on. Patrick, good to talk to you again, my friend. How are you, sir? Uh, Great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. So, Patrick, um, there's a lot to talk about here. You know, many, many things, many of our rights are on the line, uh, depending on the outcome of this these midterm elections at the federal level. And I do want to, one of those is free speech, so we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I want to talk about the two high-profile races going on in your state, uh, because I think they impact the country. 
People might not think that a, a governor's race in one state impacts the rest of the country, but I disagree because I think the policies and platforms for Democrats are almost uni, uh, universal uh, across the country. Whatever a Democrat governor like Kathy Hochul does in New York is something that is being mimicked by others. So I want to talk about that. Carrie Lake is a 30-year broadcast journalist professional, and she's running against the former Attorney General of Arizona, Katie Hobbs. And this has been a very, very interesting race. Carrie Lake is uh, is extraordinarily popular, and Katie Hobbs is hiding from the debate stage. What can you tell us about the people in Arizona and what you think is going to happen in that race? This is a great example of free speech in action, Bob. Uh, Carrie Lake is uh, a very skilled communicator. There's no doubt about it. She's had lots of training over the years. She's been one of the one of the top anchor women in the country, really. She could have had a job in many other places besides here. But she's a stand-up talker. She says right what's on her mind. Uh, she has an opinion. She wears it on her cuff. And uh, she doesn't shrink back from conflict. She's just willing to stand up and belt it out. On the other hand, her opponent, uh, Katie Hobbs, is hiding in fear, refusing to debate Carrie Lake, uh, most, and I would say mostly because she probably fears her uh, Carrie Lake's skill uh, in just telling things like they are. So Carrie Lake uh, is, has gained great ground here. It's an example to the rest of our state and to people around the country. The value of free speech is stand up and, and be heard. And uh, I think this is going to encourage a lot of people to do that. Uh, Katie Hobbs uh, likely is going to uh, lose the election at this point, in my opinion. Um, um, And, you know, we'll see, of course, anything can happen. But at this point, her refusal to talk is just a slap in the face of free speech. We need to hear what she has to say, literally. I mean, we really do. If she's going to be an elected official, especially governor of a state, We need to know what her positions are and and how she can stand up to conflict. Right now, we just don't know that. And that part, you just hit it, I think, Patrick, is very important. That's what the debate stage is for. How will you respond to somebody who responds to you? In other words, in the interviews you do, uh, you give your, your, you know, your statement in response to a question, and typically, the way the media is, and especially, dare I say, in, you know, the softballs offered by the left-wing media to left-wing candidates, there's no follow-up, there's no pushback. When you're in a debate, you're going to have to not only answer the question of the moderator, but you're going to have to answer the uh, pushback from Carrie Lake. And, uh, and the fact that she's too cowardly to get on that stage and show how she would handle conflict, handle you know, uh, the anxiety of a moment when her, when her uh, ideology or her platform or her policies are being challenged. Uh, John Fetterman took the stage in Pennsylvania last night, Patrick. John Fetterman is cognitively uh, impaired. He's got brain damage from the stroke that he suffered, and it's clear to anybody who's ever heard him talk since that time, he was willing to go up there and get schooled by Dr. Oz, and Katie Hobbs won't even stand on a stage in Arizona against Kerry Lake. That speaks volumes. It really does. And, you know, again, this, this underscores the, the importance to what we talk about, you know, when we talk about free speech. Free speech is, is not just a concept. It's not just some, uh, some ideological concept that we have that we debate, you know, in a coffee shop. It actually requires that you do something in order to say that you have it. And Carrie Lake epitomizes that right now. She's, she's speaking out because she has opinions, she has thoughts, she has passion, she has emotions, she has intellect. 
she's willing to let those things be uh, completely, um, you know, revealed to the public. This is refreshing. Even if I didn't, even if I didn't agree with her on some point, it is still refreshing that she's willing to stand up and say what's on her mind. This is what America needs right now. Honestly, we well, need people to stand up and, and, and buck the system, and she's done it. Yeah, it's it's called transparency. She is willing to step up, and she answers every question from everybody, and she often does so with just some surgical skills when it comes to her uh, her verbal responses. As she really you know carves a, a lot of her critics up, it's it's really quite an amazing thing to see. Patrick, before I ask you about uh, Blake Masters and, and Mark Kelly in that Senate race, which is equally as important, in fact, probably bigger uh, on the national stage. How would you describe the political makeup of Arizona? There are times I look at it and think it's a pretty good red state, and then other times I'll see some election results and say, not so much. Is it red? Is it blue? Is it purple? Uh, does it depend from cycle to cycle? It is It is really iffy, and it has depended from cycle to cycle over the decades. I've seen uh, we've had very um, very liberal uh, administrations at times, and then other times we've had very conservative. It seems to just flip-flop back and forth. Um, right now, we're headed toward the pendulum is kind of swinging back. We're headed toward the more conservative uh, uh, stance in Arizona, but the, you know it still remains to be seen. Tucson is Arizona is a, a large, the other large population outside of Maricopa County. Tucson is has always traditionally been very liberal. It's a it's a university town. University of Arizona is located there. It's kind of a typical university town. It tends it always tended towards the liberal side. Uh, the metropolitan Phoenix area, which is mostly Maricopa County, is also flip-flops back and forth. Uh, some cities are conservative. Some are not, like Tempe, Arizona, is a university city. It tends to be more liberal. Um, so it's always kind of a toss-up. This this liberal um, the component in our state kind of floods back and forth, and it has given us this purple uh, this purple hue at times where you think, what's what's happened to Arizona? They lost their mind. But um, well, well the, particularly the, now, particularly now during during, uh, you know, the last 21 months of the Biden administration, over five million illegal aliens have crossed that border, including an extraordinary amount of over one million gotaways. These are the people that have something to hide. And and Arizona's a border state. I can't imagine the people in your state there are, are very happy with the fact that, uh, you know, there is no security whatsoever from cartels, from gang members and every human yeah. traffickers and those who are continue to flood across that border into your state. We're very upset about it. I have to say, I, I, everybody I talk to has concerns over what's happening on our border. And we are shoring it up, by the way. Even now, Carrie Lake, I think, will really do a good job with that. But, uh, but I have to say, even the Hispanic community, the, the longer-term Hispanic community in Arizona, absolutely detests the invasion from the South because it is eating into their jobs immediately. These people that are coming across illegally across the border are replacing their jobs in particular because, you know, often the Hispanic community, you know, works in the same, uh, you know, in the same space. And so they say, wait a minute, we, we worked to be, to be where we there are. There are 47 citizens. different genders. Uh, sorry about that. That popped up. We were going to play some Carrie Lake in a little bit, but it just popped up on us. Patrick, I'm going to let that be an interruption for a reason, though, because I've got a hard break here. Stick with me, though. I want to talk a little bit about that Blake Masters, Mark Kelly race in the Senate in Arizona, and then a little bit more about the free speech issue you're discussing. We'll be right back on the Dennis Prager Show. 
Okay, 20 minutes past the hour, and we do continue now on the Dennis Prager Show. Bob France sitting in in Cleveland, Ohio. We're talking to Patrick Wood in Tucson, Arizona. Patrick is uh, giving us the lowdown on the Kerry Lake governor's race, Kerry Lake versus Katie Hobbs governor's race. We'll ask him about um, uh, the Senate race in a moment. But, Pat, I think this would just be enjoyable for all of us. Katie Hobbs thinks there are 47 different genders. I'll tell you what, I'm not a biology major, but there are two genders, guys. Two. Keep going. Keep going. Don't stop there. Come on, don't glitch on me. I want to hear the rest. And where, where, where are the animals from the rodeo being kept? Somebody point. Is it over here? Hobbs. Oh, it's not working. I, I I'm having glitching audio. My apologies, Patrick. Gordon. But you probably already heard this. This is why Katie Hobbs won't get on a stage with her. Her next line was, uh, here's a challenge for you, Katie. Go out and try to milk a bull and tell me how that goes. <laughs> so that's the, that's the line I wanted to get to here. It was classic, and I'm just having all kinds of audio problems. But um, that's why Katie Hobbs doesn't want to debate her. She's, she's intelligent, she's brilliant, she's funny, and she's going to be a great governor for you guys out there in Arizona. Now, Patrick, I asked you about the uh, political breakdown of uh, the state of Arizona, and I wanted to kind of get a sense of that so that you can tell us whether or not Blake Masters is going to make sure that that Senate seat is red. I honestly think that Blake Masters will win his race and that Mark Kelly will be out of the um, of the Senate. That's still going to be a relatively close uh, race, I'm sure. But we have to remember that uh, Blake Masters has the backing of a billionaire by the name of Peter Thiel. That's where he has, where Masters came from. He worked for Peter Thiel for some time. And uh, he lives in Arizona, of course. Peter uh, Thiel doesn't, but uh, Blake does. And uh, he's a young guy. He's got uh, uh, quite a bit of charisma. And uh, right now he's gaining steam. He's saying a lot of the right things. Um, I, I don't feel as passionately about him as I do about Kerry Lake. But um, we need to, uh, we really believe we need to defeat Blake Masters. He's been pretty much a disaster for the state of Arizona. And he has not. You mean, you mean, you mean Mark Kelly? Either. You, you mean, Mark, mean Mark, Mark Kelly? Mark Kelly. Mark, yeah, we've got to yeah, defeat Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly. Got it. Yeah. yeah, and 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 you know, of course, it's not just for the state of Arizona. The the, the bigger picture here, Patrick, and the reason why we're talking about all these races uh, is is you know just control of the Senate. Um, you know, the the Democrats have made it very very clear, and this is what Ted Cruz told me last week: is that uh, if they get fifty two which is what they need in the Senate, they will abolish the filibuster. They will pass S-1, which is uh, the For the People Act, which would eliminate all states' rights to, to um, establish their own voting rules and regulations. Their elections would be federalized, and then, of course, they would pack the court and add two more states. So the, the control of the of the Senate is the issue here, not necessarily the quality of the conservative or the Republican running. And whether or not Blake Masters has that tie with Peter Thiel or not, the issue here is to keep a yeah. Democrat definite yes vote like Mark Kelly to get him out of there. And that's uh, you know, Absolutely. That, that, that's Absolutely. the most important thing here. So, so Patrick, uh, I want to talk a little bit about free speech because you've talked about it two or three times now in the, in the conversations about Kerry Lake. Uh, obviously, as I introduced you uh, as the founder and executive director of Citizens for Free Speech, um, it's under attack. You and I talk about this all the time. Let's talk about it with the people now. Uh, it's under attack like never before, and this is also something that will be directly impacted by the House and the Senate races. 
It absolutely will. And, you know, this is, this is something Americans as individual citizens need to, need to really get through their head. Their voice is important. Their opinions are important. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody or that everybody agrees with you. It's important to have a dialogue of ideas in America. This is the only thing that's going to keep us alive in this country. If we are allowed to, to be divided and to become divisive in our, in our speech, we're not going to dig out of this hole at all. We're just not. And this is beyond our politicians. This is what Americans must do. Yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right, and this is really literally up to us, and uh, that's where activism comes in. Local activism, which is what a big part of what uh, cons- uh, Citizens for Free Speech uh, promotes and teaches and trains upon, and uh, you know, of course, we encourage people to follow the uh, you know the advocacy center that we have at citizensforfreespeech.org to find out what bills are the ones that are most targeting free speech, or the other hand, the other hand, those that are actually supporting and strengthening our First Amendment rights so that people know what to do in their communities. They know what to do to make differences and changes with their local legislators or their state legislators and so forth. Uh, activism, you know, we can't just sit here and wish it away, these attacks on our free speech. Yeah. We have to go out there and actively, uh, you know, support and defend them. Yes, and if we could, if our perfect training would teach people how to be like Carrie Lake, we, we would have arrived. <laughs> no question you know, about that. But listen, Carrie Lake, just two years ago, was a citizen just like you and I. No different. Just John Q. Citizen or Susie Q. Citizen who got encouraged to run for governor. She said, I don't think I could do that. I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, here she is today. She's just such an example of somebody who came from nothing. She's not a career politician at all. Yeah, never run for office. Yes, she came from nothing. And now she is literally the poster child for local activism in Arizona. Because here she is, ready to win the governor's race in Arizona because of her ability to, you know, to speak her mind. That's that's exactly right. Uh, Patrick Wood is my guest. He is the executive director of Citizens for Free Speech. Patrick, I want to talk about the uh, free speech statesman um, because obviously you and I work together on this. Um, you know, big tech and and Silicon Valley has done everything they can to censor many of the things that you and I and Citizens for Free Speech want to share online. So what we've decided to do is to take it old school. Fine, you may block our emails, you may block our posts, you can't stop us from handing newspapers to American citizens, right? Not at this point, they can't. Uh, they figured out how to do that in Nazi Germany, how to stop people for sure. But today, you can hand somebody something and it's not recorded anywhere. It can't be censored, it can't be into the spam folder and that's why we came up with the idea of creating a citizens for free speech newspaper called the free speech statesman and uh patrick you know this is so important what we want to do is we want to have first amendment supporters reach out uh, to the website citizensforfreespeech.org order a bundle or two or three of those newspapers, and literally this is what local activism looks like. Distribute those to people in your churches, put them on the pews, put them on the lunch counters where you go, let people see them and let people read what they may not be able to get on their computers or on their phones anymore. That's right. It is an encouragement to people to to do the right thing at this point, to stand up and be counted. And this doesn't require that you be really, that you be like a Carrier Lake for sure and run for governor. But everybody can do something, and everybody must do something. This, this is what America is all about. This is That's how it. America was built, brick by brick. 
Yeah, exactly right. And and we need to return to those foundational principles, very literally. Uh, so we invite everybody to go to citizensforfreespeech.org. Go to the store page, order a bundle of papers. It's tax deductible when you buy those, and then distribute them in your community so that free speech does indeed survive. Patrick Wood, thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure. We'll be right back on The Dennis Prager Show. Where, where, where are the animals from the rodeo being kept? Somebody point. Is it over here? Since we're here at a rodeo, Katie, I've got a challenge for you, Katie Hobbs. Why don't you go out and try to milk a bull and tell me how that goes? The Dennis Prager Show. 33 minutes past the hour as we continue on the Dennis Prager Show. Bob France sitting in here in Cleveland, Ohio, the ReliefFactor.com studios of AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks also to uh, Patrick Wood for joining us uh, last segment. Patrick is a good friend, and he's a very, very patriotic American who's looking to help protect our free speech through citizensforfreespeech.org. I encourage you to, uh, to visit the website. And by the way, I also encourage you to listen to our podcast. Uh, Patrick and I do a weekly podcast in which we talk about the most important First Amendment issues of the day. We do that once a week, and uh, you can find that wherever you do your podcast. Podbean, Spotify, iHeart, you name it, they've got it. Okay, let's go to um, where? How about Louisville, Kentucky, and we'll say hello to Kevin. Kevin, you're on the Dennis Prager Show with Bob France sitting in. Go right ahead, sir. Well, hello, Bob. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. So my question is, you keep talking about if the Democrats get 52 in the Senate, they're going to pass S-1, which, in effect, they'll change all the voting laws. Yeah. Um, Doesn't it require a ratification of the Constitution to change that? Because the Constitution says that the voting laws are established by the state legislature. Yeah, that's exactly what the Constitution says, and that's exactly why this is so dangerous. S-1 and H.R. 1, I remember, you know, it's funny, this was written uh, toward the end of last year, the end of 2021. Uh, it was in the first year of this two-year, uh, of, of this Congress, um, and they, the way they wrote S-21 and H.R. 21, uh, it does not take a constitutional mem- amendment, but what it does is it allows them, when they say, you know, you and I may phrase it colloquially as, uh, a federal takeover of state elections, but it's not worded that way in the bill. It basically says that because of the constitutional right to vote, for example, states cannot or shall not allow, uh, you know, uh, 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 photo identification laws. Uh, they, they may not restrict or limit uh, how people vote, whether it be in person or by mail, et cetera, et cetera. All of the things that they would have to do to uh, make sure that they never lose another election again, uh, they can do under this. So when we call it a federal takeover, it's 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 that's the 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 I think the the realistic way of saying it, but it's not the way the language is written. Uh, it is a bill that they could pass. They didn't have the votes to do it before, but once they abolish the filibuster with fifty-two in this upcoming uh, new Congress, fifty-two senators. That is exactly what they said their first order of business is. And uh, I would not put it past them. Then I would not put it. Uh, there wouldn't be enough Republicans, by the way, to say you can't do it. And you got to make it a constitutional amendment. They would they would be virtually unchecked. Their power would be unchecked. I would say that it's still a change in the way the laws have to be done through the state legislatures. And it would definitely be challenged in the courts. And I agree that they would try to pack the courts, uh, the Supreme Court with liberal justices but they will even They'll when do they all of the above say that 
you can't restrict whatever, it's still a law that has to be passed by the states. Well, let, let's put it to you this way. It, it is also unconstitutional, right, for the President of the United States to declare a massive uh, college student loan bailout without that going through the Congress, and yet here we are. They're doing it. The Congress is supposed to have a say there. Uh, the, un, the Constitution is just a suggestion for Democrats, and Republicans are going to have to fight that. We'll be back. We gonna fly, feel Seventeen minutes now before the top of the hour as we continue on the Dennis Prager Show. Bob Fran sitting in here in Cleveland, Ohio. So um, <laughs> phone lines are open, and I want to hear, particularly in the last hour of the program, I want to hear from people in Arizona, Blake Masters and Mark Kelly, Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs, people in Pennsylvania, Dr. Roz or John Fetterman, people in um, Georgia, Herschel Walker, and Raphael Warnock, people in uh, even Florida. Marco Rubio still has a very comfortable lead, but Marco Rubio and Val Demings, but of course, Ron DeSantis and Charlie Crist. People in New York with um, uh, with uh, Lee Zeldin uh, challenging uh, Kathy Hochul. I want to know where you think these races are headed. I probably have a pretty good idea, if you're a listener of the Prager program, which side you want to win each of those races. But I want a level of confidence here. I want to know what you are, uh, you know, what you're, what you're betting on, what's going to happen in each of these. Because I've got 538.com, and I've got real clear politics polling averages, and I can look at all of these different things that say how they think they're going to turn out. But I don't have voters. I don't have people to talk to me and tell me exactly why they feel the way they do. That's what I want you to do. That doesn't mean I won't take calls from all over the country. I will. But I do want to hear from you if you're in a battleground state. Ohioans, even my Ohioans, because uh, I'm on the air in Ohio, and uh, but not all of Ohio. So if you are in Cincinnati or Toledo or Columbus or, or Youngstown or someplace out of northern Ohio where I am, uh, I want to know, do you think J.D. Vance is going to win that one, or is it going to be Tim Ryan? All of this, of course, is crucial to the survival of this country. 877-243-7776. Now, Something else that's crucial to the survival of this country has to be the independent nature of our government, and in particular, our judiciary. The judiciary, of course, is one of the three separate but co-equal branches of government that is entitled to as much protection and independence as the other two. But I want to talk for just a second about what happened in uh, earlier this summer. Actually, it was late spring, early summer. And I want to talk about why nothing has changed. What I'm speaking of is the leak from the United States Supreme Court of the Dobbs decision that would eventually lead to the rollback of Roe versus Wade. That leak was extraordinarily dangerous. That leak put a lot of people in jeopardy. That leak also fired up an entire party because, you know, the Democrats love nothing quite like the way they love to kill babies, particularly at any given time during the gestational cycle, for any reason whatsoever. It used to be safe, legal, and rare. Now it's without apology and at any time for any reason, convenience or otherwise, right? That leak was uh, was was made, and the you know the uh, the decision was was uh, was revealed, and we are now what six months past that time, 
And can you tell me how it is and why it is that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, has not found the source of that leak yet? The FBI can find out the names of of American citizens who have prayed outside of abortion clinics and sent FBI agents to their doors with guns drawn, threatening them, arresting them. The FBI can find somebody who was who was rumored to have been in Washington at the Capitol on January 6th, not accused of anything, but rumor was you were there. They've gone to people's homes. Tucker Carlson did a segment on that a couple of weeks ago. They've gone to people's homes, banging on the doors, scaring the, the you-know-what out of everybody with guns drawn because somebody, was, somebody was, was reputed to have been in Washington at that time. Therefore, maybe we've got a jail cell for you. The FBI can find anybody. But there's a very, very limited number of people who work for the United States Supreme Court, who work for those justices, their clerks, their assistants, and them. The, the number of people who have access to decisions that are being made and votes that are being held, and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing my brain, the uh, opposite of the, uh, of the decisions, the dissents, the dissenting opinions that are written, all of these things, very, very limited number of people have access to these decisions and these votes and these uh, writing for the majority and those writing for the dissent, uh, writing the dissent. And you're telling me that in six months the FBI can't find who made that leak? Who made that happen? The FBI doesn't want to know because you know as well as I do it is going to be some left-winger working for one of the left-wing justices who is livid about the way this whole thing was going to go down with Roe versus Wade and the fact that they won't reveal the name of the leaker and bring them to justice, thus deterring any such thing in the future, could have a very, very serious, dangerous impact on justices in the future. Justice Sam Alito was doing an interview, and I want to play this for you. Justice Alito is, is telling the truth about what is happening here because the FBI will not cross their left wing. Do we have time for this, uh, Sean, or did I run out of time? We'll have to play it in the next segment. Thank you, Shawnee. Uh, we'll play for your next segment here because I've, I've set it up for, for too long here. But what Sam Alito is talking about here is the literal, literal threat on the lives of justices for daring to interpret the Constitution and doing their jobs. And the fact that no one has been held accountable for that leak that put hundreds, if not thousands, of people outside the doors of Supreme Court justices' homes and put people in serious jeopardy, the fact that the, nobody is being held accountable is extraordinary. We're going to play that for you coming up after this on the Dennis Bridge. Our Bob France sitting in for Dennis. Justice Samuel Alito says he just wants things to get back to normal in the new Supreme Court term after the leaked abortion opinion made him and other conservative justices targets for assassination. Listen. So one of the most remarkable features about the court in an age of incessant leaks uh, is the confidentiality that long covered its internal deliberations. Unfortunately, uh, that changed this last term with the horrific and completely unprecedented leak of your draft majority opinion in Dobbs. Uh, How has the leak affected the court? It was a grave betrayal of trust by somebody and 
it uh, was a shock because nothing like that had happened in the past. So it certainly changed the atmosphere at the court for the remainder of, of last term. The leak also made those of us who were thought to be in the majority in support of overruling Roe and Casey targets for assassination because it gave people a rational reason to think they could prevent that from happening by killing one of us. And we know that a, a man has been charged with attempting to kill Justice Kavanaugh. It's a pending case, so I won't say anything more about that. Uh, but um, that was last term. Um, now we're, we're in a new term. I think that all of us want to, all of the justices, and I think the people who work in the building, we have a wonderful staff, um, I'll add that, want things to get back to normal uh, the way they were before all this last term, before COVID, get back to normal to the greatest degree possible. And uh, that's what we hope will happen. And I think everybody... Okay, we can cut it there. That. I think the most important part that we needed to hear, you just heard. The conservative justices on the court are targets for assassination. And yes, indeed, as he pointed out, there was one arrest made for attempted murder from a, a wild, radical, pro-abortion leftist who showed up outside the home of Brett Kavanaugh and was going to try to kill him. He had weapons, he had ammunition, he had all kinds. I think he had zip ties. He was, was he going to hold, was he going to tie people up and, and, and shoot his family too? We don't even know. Thank goodness he was stopped. Thank goodness there were agents outside because it forced him to turn around and then he ended up actually going to a phone and calling and, and turning himself in. But, but how does the FBI backburner this? How does the FBI not make this literally job number one? Find out who leaked the, the uh, draft uh, decision that put Supreme Court justices' lives in danger. Literally, they threatened them. Literally, they, they, they stormed outside of their houses, and they, they doxed them. They, they followed them. Everything that they do puts these, these judges in. And Sam Alito is just calling it out right now. We were targets and are targets for assassination, and the FBI is doing nothing about it. It's, it's inconceivable. Hour number three of the Dennis Prager Show is coming up. Stay right here on the Salem Radio Network. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.